Turn now in the Holy Scriptures to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all, Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living knowing know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward for The memory of them is forgotten, also their love, and their hatred, and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. And now what follows is our text. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city, and a few men within it, and there came a great king against it, and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet, more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. 
Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, to understand our text, we have to understand the main theme of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is the admonition to live in wisdom and to apply wisdom to every aspect of one's earthly life. This wisdom is found in basically two truths. The first is that God is a righteous God and a holy God who vexes sinful man with toil and misery for his sin so that his life is nothing but Vanity, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. That's the refrain of the book of Ecclesiastes. Life is vanity because it is vexed by God, and vexed by God so that life is brief. Life is toil, life is misery, life is trouble, and all life ends the same for all men in death. And that's true of all men. This wisdom also consists of this reality, that is, the calling, therefore, in the light of that truth, that all is vanity, to fear God and keep His commandments. That's the end of of the whole matter, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. Here is the end of all of this instruction, of all of this wisdom, this wisdom. Fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God because He is the holy and just God who vexes sinful man and makes life vanity. And fear God because He alone is the one who can deliver man from this vanity. Deliver man by redemption from sin and deliver man by the power of His grace. Therefore, fear God and keep His commandments. That, therefore, is also the purpose of our text. It teaches this wisdom and teaches this wisdom by way of a parable. This wisdom is a wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is wise. He is the one who is instructing us in this book. He is the preacher, and He is the one who gives us this parable. This parable about a besieged city, and a poor wise man who lives in that city and delivers that city, and yet his wisdom is despised. What this text basically teaches is this. Where one finds wisdom is in a little city. Indeed, a besieged city. And one can expect also in that city that wisdom to be found in a poor man. 
Then secondly, the text teaches the necessity of heeding that wisdom over against the folly of forgetting that wisdom. We consider in the first place the parable here, the parable of the poor wise man in a besieged city, and then secondly, the lesson. The parable of our text basically consists of two parts. The first is the occasion or situation of the parable in verses 14 and 15, and that sets before us three main figures, three main characters. First, a little and besieged city. Secondly, a great and mighty king who besieges that city. And then finally, a poor wise man. There is in the first place a little city, and that little city is endangered. It is in peril because it has been besieged by a mighty and powerful enemy called a great king. Besieged with his army, besieged with his siege engines, And that city is little. That is, it is a little city in the sense that, first of all, it has few men in it. You may see that city as little because it has little walls, seemingly without any real protection against the mighty army that opposes it and its strong siege engines designed to batter those little walls and cave them in. There are few soldiers besides citizens in the city, few to man the walls, few to fight against the mighty army that surrounds it. The mighty army and everything that it contains is represented as a great king. Great because he is great in resources great in number of men, great in armament, great in weapons, great in skill, great in machines, all designed to do one thing, destroy that city and kill everyone within it. Then there is a third character brought out in the parable, a poor, wise man. This poor, wise man represents the only hope There is for that little city. The point of the parable is the little city is doomed. It is nothing compared to the great enemy that surrounds it. And the only hope is this poor, wise man. This man is considered poor, not simply because he has little money, but he is poor in earthly standing. He is poor because no one considers who he is. He is hard to find. He is living in the poor part of town. He is of no account. He has no earthly honor and glory that any would seek him. That's further brought out when we read that no one remembers the poor man even after he dispenses his wisdom. In spite of his poverty, in spite of the fact that no one knows who he is, no one knows where to find him, and indeed considers him poor, he is wise. By his wisdom, he is indeed able to deliver 
that little city even when the situation is absolutely hopeless, which is really how that ought to be read. In a situation that is absolutely hopeless, this man possesses a wisdom that is a certain knowledge and a certain skill with that knowledge to dispense a way, a way to overcome that enemy and to live in the face of its certain eminent destruction. That's the first part of the parable. The second part is the universal truth or wisdom that's drawn from that earthly example, as is the case with all parables. And we find that in verses 16 and 17. That part of the parable is basically this. Wisdom is better than strength. Or as we find it in words of 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. That is the universal truth that is taught here in the parable. And the idea of the parable is not that wisdom is able in certain circumstances to be better than strength, but that wisdom is always better than strength. No matter what strength is arrayed against someone, whether it's a bully at school or a mighty nation with tanks and nuclear weapons, it doesn't matter what the situation, doesn't matter what the strength, doesn't matter who the enemy is, wisdom is always better than strength. And it's better than strength no matter where it's found. Even if that wisdom is found in one single poor wise man that no one regards, no one remembers, no one knows where he is, that wisdom, when dispensed and follows, always defeats strength. This universal truth, one can demonstrate. One can demonstrate through many, many examples, but we think of only one. For example, in the history of Israel itself, to whom this parable is given. There is coming a time in the future, and comes largely because the nation of Israel has forgotten God's wisdom. They have, in spite of the wisdom of the preacher here, gone in the way of idolatry and self-service. And God brings against them an enemy, a mighty enemy, to chastise and oppress them. And they literally come and besiege a little city, the city of Jerusalem. Here comes the nation of Assyria under Sennacherib, the great world power of its time that had steamrolled every nation surrounding the nation of Israel, had taken captive, had killed, had murdered, had conquered, and now in the hundreds of thousands they surround the little city of Jerusalem. And in that city there are fools, 
fools who want to dispense wisdom. Make a league with this great king. Bow down the knee to his idols. Give up. Surrender. Go find help elsewhere. And the king of that little city, Hezekiah, finds wisdom. Heeds the wisdom of God. He prays to God. He pours his heart out to God. And he trusts entirely in God. That night, the angel of the Lord wipes off the map the army of Assyria. And Assyria is done for as a world power. Sennacherib is killed, and no more is Assyria a threat. There is, of course, in this parable, a spiritual meaning. A spiritual meaning that is found even that example that we just cited. For you see, the little city represents the visible instituted church of our Lord Jesus Christ in time and history. It doesn't represent the church invisible, the church as the body of the elect. For we find in this little city many fools, many who forget the wisdom of the poor little man. Just like the visible church. This little city represents the church in time and history as it's organized under ministers, elders, and deacons, as it claims to represent Jesus Christ in the world. And that city is little. Even though in certain particular times and throughout history it may be considered large, it nevertheless is little. It is few in comparison to the enemy that is against it. The great king that besieges this little city, this church institute, the visible church in time and history, is of course the one great enemy, indeed the prince of this world, Satan himself. He is great. He is great in that he has at his disposal a vast array of angelic power over even the creation. He has a great number of vast resources, natural resources, a great number of men and equipment and institutions at his disposal. He is great in that this great spiritual power at the disposal of Satan is found in the hearts of all men the world over, including even fools within the city of the poor wise man. The purpose of this great king is the destruction of that little city. We even read of that in our own creeds. In the Belgic Confession, Article 12, there is a description of this great king. That there are angels who are fallen even into everlasting perdition. And while others 
have been preserved by the grace of God, the devils and evil spirits are so depraved that they are enemies of God and every good thing to the utmost of their power as murderers watching to ruin the church and every member thereof and by their wicked stratagems to destroy all and are therefore by their own wickedness adjudged to eternal damnation, daily expecting their horrible torments. That's the great king, vast and great in resources and power far beyond that found in the little city. But within the little city, there is one poor wise man. That poor wise man is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, who is born within the church and lives by His Spirit always in the church. The book of Proverbs is the book that sets that forth. Sets forth that Jesus is not simply one who has much wisdom, but is Himself wisdom personified. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom is mine. I am understanding and have strength. Proverbs 8, verse 14. Proverbs 8, verse 22 and 23. The Lord possessed me, wisdom, in the beginning of His way. I was set up from everlasting, or ever the earth was. He is poor in this little city. Poor because, first of all, he's found within the little city. He comes down from heaven not to live in the city of the great king and ally himself with that great earthly glorious power, but he places himself within the city, within the poor church. He is found there in a state of humility. He comes bodily in weakened human flesh, mortal flesh, subject to even the power of that great king found outside the walls. He comes casting off earthly glory, earthly riches to live in poverty. We read of that in Isaiah 53. He is a tender plant with no form or comeliness that we should desire Him. He is despised and rejected of men. And so the great spiritual truth, even greater than the earthly parable, is that Jesus Christ, that He is greater than any strength. He is the wisdom that has humbly come down to man, come in our flesh, made himself subject to every sorrow, every affliction, every toil, to all the vanity of life, even the cross itself. And by giving himself to death with that wisdom, give oneself 
to the enemy. Let him exert all his strength, his remarkable, endless, seemingly strength. And the enemy is defeated. The little city saved. Notice that. The poor wise man has at his disposal certainly strength and resources far beyond that of Satan. For he is the Creator God. But by wisdom, he leaves all those behind. And he gives himself over to death. And in so doing, delivers the little city. Understand that this parable then also represents all the means by which Jesus Christ continues to deliver his little city. Jesus preaches the gospel. He delivers his people through the foolishness of preaching. The preaching of the gospel. That the wisdom of God is to fear him and keep his commandments. The wisdom that we are delivered by God's grace through faith. The wisdom that there is a greater and immortal spiritual life far beyond the life of this vanity. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. That poor wise man represents the offices in the church. The offices of minister that administers that preaching and the sacraments. And the office of elder and of deacon. Elders use the same foolishness of the word and discipline to overcome the great power of this king to deliver the city from sins of alcoholism and fornication and unbelief. Christ uses the power of that office and the power of Christian discipline. That's His wisdom. He uses the office of a diaconate that simply gathers money and gives to those who ask. And they are poor men. Poor not just because what they bring is just word and discipline, but even as men. It is the wisdom of Christ to install mere sinful men into office. Men who have nothing to do with social standing and status. Who often have no business acumen, even education. The wisdom of the poor wise man is to gather his church, defend his church, and preserve his church through just men in three offices by sacraments and by preaching and by discipline. He does this in lowly congregations of few number and denominations of few number considered small in the world. Their methods considered outdated. Their message considered 
old-fashioned, represents even the believing men and women within that city. As the Scriptures make clear many, many times, Christ gathers not the strong and the mighty and the well-connected, but the poor and the oppressed and the weak, and yet they are wise. Now there is a lesson in all this. This lesson, of course, is itself wisdom. And the lesson comes in the form of a very strong warning. A warning that's brought out in several ways. First, what it informs us that one sinner destroyeth much good. That whereas it's true that wisdom is better than weapons of war, yet one sinner destroyeth much good. And secondly, what we read, that in spite of the wisdom of the poor wise man, in spite of the fact that he delivers the little city, the poor wise man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. There's the warning. The truth is there. Wisdom, wisdom overcometh all strength. It's greater than any strength. And yet, that wisdom is despised and not heard. Men live as fools, as sinners, even destroying much good. This warning comes to us in the little city, and it implies two things in the first place. Number one, that there is always in the world a visible church, a little city, and it will always be little. And that in that little church will always be the poor, wise man. We need to make this explicit. Even though we know that the poor, wise man has come. He has done his work. He has even, in principle, delivered the city. Nevertheless, according to the parable, the city is always there and always besieged in this life by the great king. And also, therefore, there is always in the city the poor, wise man. The idea is not that Jesus came, delivered the city, and now He's gone and abandoned her. He's still present. He's still present in the preaching. He's still present in the sacraments. He's still present in the offices of the church. And the warning is that He's not remembered. That's why preaching and administration of the sacraments and Christian discipline remain marks of the church infallible, visible signs where Christ, the poor wise man, is found. And it's why we identify the church according to offices where 
faithful offices are found, you have a church instituted. In the second place, this warning implies that there is always a threat to the visible church, even though in principle she is delivered. It's brought out in the parable in the fact that the city is delivered, and yet this warning comes. And in the original, it's even more clear where the words translated that he delivers the city could just as well be translated that he is able to destroy or save the city, but no one remembered. The point, the point of the parable is that wisdom is not this, that the poor wise man has delivered the city and now therefore there is no threat. Or we need not imagine that somebody would be so foolish as to forget the poor wise man and his wisdom. No, the main point of the parable is exactly that. Exactly because the city is little and exactly because the wisdom is found in a poor man, therefore, do not forget his wisdom. So there are two reasons implied why that would happen. The first, the first of course is implied in the fact that wisdom doesn't seem to be stronger than strength. We imagine it's in us, it's part of us, that strength is required to conquer strength. And the parable teaches that Wisdom. Wisdom is much, much stronger than strength. Think, for example, of little David taking on the giant Goliath. And you get the picture. But now also, that danger is the wisdom is forgotten and rejected exactly because it comes in a poor form. It found in the poor man. You look at the parable and you say, well, who in their right mind would forget that wisdom? Who in their right mind would go back and think, let's defeat strength with strength? Or live in despair saying the situation's hopeless because that strength is too great? And the answer is to be found in the reality that wisdom is found in poverty. And the idea of the parable is it's always found in that form. You will never find the wisdom of Jesus Christ by which He delivers the church with any glory, with any earthly pomp and circumstance, with any earthly might and money and institutions that awe and bedazzle men. The second reason this warning needs to be given is because there are many sinners who would destroy much good. In other words, there's many fools who are clamoring loudly for their voice to be heard, for their wisdom to be heard, even within that little city. The threat isn't only the enemy from without, the strong king outside the walls, but he has his allies within the walls. There are fools found 
there. Words of wisdom need to be heard in quiet. The words of fools is found with much speaking, much loudness, much clamor, much pounding the table. The words of wisdom need to be meditated upon, need to be thought about, need to be considered. There's competition. You even see that in the history of Israel. Always those whispering in the king's ear, telling him what he ought to do. And all of it basically based upon strength defeats strength. Or rejecting the wisdom because it's so poor. So we may expect that in the little city that's called the church. This is a warning to us who live in that little besieged city. The danger is not that the little city is left without wisdom. The little city is on its own. The city does have within it the poor wise man. But we may not forget him. Think, beloved, in when Jesus came, when the poor wise man literally came into the city of Jerusalem and came with wisdom that could save that little city. He came as the Messiah, the Christ, but was despised and rejected because he was poor. Because he did not measure up in the eyes of the leaders, in the eyes of those even in charge of the church, so that he becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Still today, that is the case. It's why many today still reject the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments as the main wisdom by which the church is delivered from sin and sinfulness. It's evident in the preaching and the preachers that many fools follow after, the churches that they consider great, the ministers that they consider worth following. It's evident in the desire of the church to gain political power, to attain earthly glory in this world. It's evident in the fact that the church is offended by the wisdom of the poor man, Jesus. What can that do in the face of the onslaught of sin and wickedness? Let us consider the wisdom that they have. Let us consider the wisdom of doctors and psychiatrists and drugs and institutions of men, and education, and learning, they will deliver us. No, they won't. No, they won't. The world is full of vanity, and life is vanity. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Therefore, fear God and keep His commandments. This is ultimately why often... The very offices of Jesus Christ are despised and rejected in the church, even by us. We want something else than the wisdom of the poor wise man. Or we despise them because we consider them poor men. That's why our children 
might not want to hear our wisdom as parents in the home. They consider us stupid. They consider us ignorant, unworthy to listen to. Why look at all the wisdom that's out there? Seems to accomplish much. So the warning. So the warning. Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Preach on this this morning to you, beloved, because you know as well as I do that's our nature. We need to hear this word because our own nature in the church, in this besieged city, knowing full well the strength and the might of the king arrayed against us, our natural inclination and pronation is to forget the words of the poor wise man, Jesus. To say to ourselves, there's a better way. We have our way. Look at the way they have over there. But that would be foolish. Let us, with the preacher, hear the whole end of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee for Thy Word. The words of wisdom. The words that alone can deliver us from this life of vanity against those who would destroy us. The words which come in much poverty and lowliness, but which are the truth. The truth that we are delivered through faith in Jesus Christ, who is wisdom himself. He who has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, thus atoning and redeeming us from sin, and who was raised up with mighty power so that his spirit through faith lives within us, that we may fear thee and keep thy commandments. So we give thee thanks, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.